This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, November 20th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Mountain Village to allow golf carts on local roads. Listening Club hits the waves with Surferosa, Telluride's Tofu Turkey, the first of its kind, and a mountain weather forecast. But first, Norwood lost a member of its community over the weekend. Jennifer Davis was found unresponsive by her husband in their home on Sunday morning. According to the San Miguel County Coroner's Office, Davis's husband attempted to resuscitate her until EMS arrived. Despite best efforts, she was pronounced dead at the scene. She was 38 years old. Crippen Funeral Home will attend to services. The cause and manner of death are under investigation. Davis is survived by her brother, Tom, and two young nieces, her son, Alec, and her husband, Toby. Mountain Village will soon allow golf carts on certain roads adjacent to the Telluride Golf Course. To be clear, one could not take their golf cart, drive on those roads, and then you know, continue on their way to touchdown, for example, uh, to their home. That uh, This is a very limited driving pattern uh, that someone can use the golf cart. That's Mountain Village Town Manager Paul Weiser speaking at a recent town council meeting. The change comes due to potential challenges for individuals looking to play nine holes rather than the full 18. Currently, if a golf cart ends up on hole nine, uh, they have to basically go uh, 15 minutes out of their way to return to the golf uh, club if they so desire uh, to not play the remaining nine holes. This ordinance would clarify that a golf cart could uh, end up on Double Eagle Drive, uh, turn on to Russell and up back of the clubhouse in a more efficient manner. Mountain Village Town Council member Scott Pearson notes allowing golf carts on the road would revert back to what golfers are used to. It's something that used to be done informally um, and was standard practice. And then I guess it came to the attention of the, of the golf club that... Um, that it's actually not allowed to drive golf clubs on public roads. And so then they, uh, you know, they program the golf cart so that if you try to do it, the golf cart just stops. So, and that's when everybody realized, okay, I guess we can't do that anymore. When it comes to the rules of the road, Weiser says the carts would drive on the road itself. There's probably not enough space to create dedicated lanes um, up there, but uh, I think with the hope is that with appropriate signage, we can assure everybody's safety. And staff will work with Telski to put, you know, some placard up on the <clears throat> golf cart that says, uh, "You got to abide by the road safety rules, stop at stop signs, be sober, all that good stuff." Mountain Village Mayor Marty Prohaska suggesting how it works for a season, noting it's not Mountain Village that will be running the carts. Just to be clear, this is our. Our allowing it, but that private company still must allow it as well. Mountain Village Town Council voted to adopt a resolution allowing golf carts on the portion of road. The Telluride Ski and Golf Resort will be the one to implement golf carts on the roads specifically. Next Monday, the Wilkinson Public Library hosts its monthly listening club. It's like a book club, but for albums. Chip Schilling will lead the November club with his work of choice, the Pixies' 1988 album, Surfer Rosa. KOTO News spoke with Schilling about his selection. (music) 
to me, it's kind of timeless. And the Pixies are just were such a fun band, and they um, really broke with a lot of conventions. I haven't listened to it in a while, and put it on about four months ago, and then ended up listening to all the Pixies records all at once, you know, over a course of two, three days, and it just seemed, you know, still seems timeless, and um, and that's pretty impressive for an album that came out in 1988. When I first heard heard the record, um, I, you know, I walked into the the record store and I was already because I was um, I was always into graphic design and I really liked what uh, designer Von Oliver was doing and he was the um, he did the design for the Pixies records. You know, sometimes you pick up a, re- a record because of the album cover, and it's super disappointing. And you're like, dang, I just wasted all this money because of, you know, an, an image or whatever. But I did at that time. I bought it on a whim. First listening, I was like, wow, this is different. This is unique. And then you ask yourself, do I love this or do I hate this? I'm like, I'm not sure. And I listened to it, you know, again and again. And um, I could tell that there was just something really different and unique about it that was um, that kept me coming back to it but it wasn't really until their next record um, Doolittle that was like oh yeah the Pixies are something and I'm really glad I got that record and I listened you know as each of their albums came out you kind of go back and you listen to that you know the first one in a whole new light stop I mean, nobody else really sounds like the Pixies. I mean, there's, they influenced a whole lot of bands, but they all did their own things with some of the dynamics that the Pixies did. The one thing I like about it is that the... the the start and stop of it, the jangly guitars, you can really hear all the instruments. You know, they're all playing their own thing, but they're all distinctly unique. It, it also was the band that Kim Deal first started in, um, which, uh, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it, it was a big deal. <laughs> and this I know, his teeth is white as snow. What a gas it was to see him. As a 20-something, um, hearing female musicians really do great, unique stuff was not, was, was new. And, I mean, there were, fem- there was a side of punk music that, you know, um, you know, amazing, you know, Patti Smith and, you know, and, and whatnot, some of those bands of the punk era, but. Um, something changed 10 years later by the time this album came out and I just thought it was really unique and refreshing and just expanded my musical horizon in a big way. It's one of those records too where the lyrics are, it sounds like they're saying something really important but it's not saying anything at all. And I always found that kind of fascinating, you know, that just, 
if you pick up on a song like Gigantic or Bone Machine, and it's it sounds like there's just this really amazing thing they're saying. And then when you look at the lyrics on paper, you're just like, what? <laughs> It wasn't their most popular record, but over time, it's probably their most influential one in my eyes. Um, certainly, some people think Doolittle or Bossa Nova are better records. Um, but those were where people started to pay attention after that. I mean, this record is, I think it would be challenging for a lot of people in some ways. Uh, it's um, It melds punk and indie rock and classic pop, surf and it's direct and forceful. I, I don't know if that's gonna attract people to want to listen to it or not. Um, I guess it doesn't matter. I mean, people, uh, you know, if you want to give it a shot, listen to it. Um, if um, if you don't like it, so be it. You know, it, everybody has their own thing. Chip Schilling will lead the November Listening Club on Surferosa on Monday, November 27th at 6 p.m. at the Telluride Music Company. More information is available at telluridelibrary.org. The myth of the first Thanksgiving dates back to the early 1600s, when pilgrims and settlers from England made landfall on North American shores. The details and retelling of the story have evolved over time, but Telluride has its own place in Thanksgiving history, dating back to the 1970s and involving the first ever tofu turkey. KOTO's Gavin McGough looked into this quirk of culinary culture and has this report. Let's stop turkey. Set your sights on the butterballs. There's no question, turkey is the icon of the Thanksgiving table. No vision of the holiday is complete without a glistening bird carved tableside before gathered company. For vegetarians hoping to partake in the turkey feast, a certain phenomenon arose in pop culture in the 1980s. The tofurkey, Tofu turkey roasts still abound online and in food co-ops across the country, and the Oregon-based brand Tofurkey sells an entire line of plant-based products, from faux deli slices to the roast itself. One day, browsing the footnotes of food historian Bill Shirtliff's History of Soy Sauce, one of his classic books tracing the roots of soy products in North America, I encountered an interesting claim. The first tofu turkey was baked right here in Telluride in 1978. Wondering, could it be true? I brought the footnote to Molly Daniel of the Telluride Historical Museum. 
but browsing the archives, Daniel came up empty. I looked and couldn't really find anything, unfortunately. Still, she says, such an innovation would have made sense in the 70s in Telluride. The 1970s were kind of Telluride's transitional years. People coming uh, for the ski area. Joseline, of course, is opening uh, the Telluride ski area in December 1972. There was a lot of idealism. There was a lot of resourcefulness um, and definitely some self-governance, which created kind of a creative atmosphere and kind of a countercultural vibe. The footnote in a few paragraphs named Matthew Schmidt as the owner of a tofu shop located in the basement of the Sheridan Opera House, which became the site of the tofurkey in question. A scan of the Kodo archives bore fruit. In a newscast from July 1978, reporter Rita Robinson was on the scene to cover the shop's apparent expansion. <laughs> We're here in the basement of the Spectrum shop, where the tofu shop is located, and we're speaking with Matthew Schmidt, who is one of the organizers, original organizers of the tofu shop. According to the clip, the tofu shop was thriving. Here's Schmidt himself. Uh, initially, we're going to put in a dining room uh, so that people won't have to eat out in the hallway anymore. When do you plan to be reopened? Uh, the dining room itself probably won't be open for another week, but we hope to be open for takeout food. Uh, this coming Tuesday. You've been open for nine months now, and can you tell me how it's been going? It's, it's just amazing. <laughs> it's real fantastic, yeah. Through some Googling, I discovered a tofu shop in Northern California, which listed a shop in Telluride as its predecessor. The proprietor, Matthew Schmidt. I called the number on the website, and lo and behold, was greeted by a familiar voice. Yeah, my name is Matthew Schmidt, and um, I lived in Telluride from probably uh, 74 to 79. In uh, 77 sometime, uh, my friend Tim Meckie was making tofu, and uh, um, he taught me how to make tofu. I really took a liking to it. Together we opened a little tofu shop. Then, in 1978, says Schmidt. Myself and some friends and people at the tofu shop decided to have a big Thanksgiving feast. We decided to make a main dish with tofu. A good friend of mine at the time was an artist. His name was Craig Boykin, who had been around uh, Telluride for a number of years, and he was a painter and sculptor, among other things. Boykin stacked two large blocks of tofu together and, says Schmidt, carved them up. So they looked kind of like a uh, roasted turkey on a platter. And I think he even put on some little fake drumsticks or something like that. He, we baked that, and uh, it kind of melted down a little bit, but it was still like a big loaf, and we had a great feast. By 1980, Schmidt had moved on from Telluride for Northern California, but he stayed in the tofu business and for years made tofurkey dinners to sell to customers for their vegetarian feasts. The tofurkey brand of food, which is now available nationwide, arose in 1980 in Oregon out of a little tofu shop there run by Seth Tibbet. But whatever the origin story of that tofurkey, Schmidt assures me it happened in Telluride first. I met the guy that started that business and um I know for a fact that we were making tofu turkeys before they were. So I think our claim to be first is still valid. <laughs> so <clears throat> there you go. Schmidt says in the 1970s, most tofu was coming from small operations such as his own, shops which popped up across the country, informed by tofu makers in America's urban Chinatowns and Japanese immigrant communities. 
charting the course of the first tofu turkey from a Thanksgiving in Telluride's countercultural heyday to the recognized and commercialized staple it is today is to get a snapshot of tofu's mainstreaming in American culture. Here's Schmidt. I kind of have a, an interest in uh, social science and stuff like that, and so the phenomenon of watching tofu uh, blend into uh, American cuisine um, has been fascinating to watch and to be a part of. The whole thing was successful because you know, now you can pretty much find tofu anywhere, and not just plain tofu, but other products too. Like a tofurkey. <laughs> like tofurkeys, that's exactly right, yeah. While Schmidt himself no longer carves a tofurkey on Thanksgiving Day, having had his fill over the years, he was generous enough to share the tofu shop's recipe with Kodo, and you can find it on our website at koto.org. The Colorado Department of Transportation will be conducting erosion control along Highway 145 outside of Norwood this week. The work will take place two miles east of Norwood on Norwood Hill. Operations will take place on Tuesday, November 21st and Wednesday, November 22nd between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Drivers should expect 10 to 15 minute delays and one lane alternating traffic. You've heard about Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday. What about Fresh Air Friday? This Friday, November 24th, Colorado Parks and Wildlife is inviting the community to celebrate the outdoors with free entry into all Colorado state parks. CPW says the goal is to encourage friends and families to create new outdoor memories and live life outside. Adding a Fresh Air Friday celebration can be as big or small an adventure as you choose. CPW does remind visitors that with Friday being a state holiday, some park visitor centers may not be open or fully staffed. An activist group in Phoenix is trying to raise awareness about the displacement of Native American people taken to fraudulent sober homes in Arizona. As Chris Clemens reports for KSJD, they held a walk last week to spread the word. Earlier this year, Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs announced a crackdown on fraudulent treatment facilities. She said dozens of them had defrauded the state Medicaid agency's American Indian Health Program out of hundreds of millions of dollars. These fake sober homes have sent recruiters across the West to target vulnerable Native people. Advocates like Reva Stewart say they're seeing more unhoused people in Phoenix who need help returning to their tribal communities. Stewart says a Native act activist in her group recently lost a friend to an overdose in what she suspects was a fraudulent group home. No one's speaking up about it. So she's just as angry as, you know, she should be because these facilities just took another life. Almost one year after the first news stories on these sober homes broke, Stewart says they're still finding ways to operate. For KSJD, I'm Chris Clements. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 20 degrees. Tuesday should be sunny during the day and mostly clear at night. The high is in the mid-40s with a low around 25 degrees. Wednesday should be mostly sunny with a high near 45 degrees. Wednesday night expect partly cloudy skies with a low in the mid-20s. This has been the news for Monday, November 20th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. KOTO News will be off on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for the Thanksgiving weekend. We will be back with our newscast on Monday, November 27th. And now, a personal commentary. 
Hi, I'm Sia. And I'm Ev. We're here to tell you about the annual San Miguel County Turkey Trot on Thanksgiving morning, Thursday, November 23rd. This free 5K fun run and walk is a holiday tradition for your whole family. Costumes are encouraged and dogs on a leash are welcome. The event is held down in Ilium Valley at the intersection of Ilium Road and Sunshine Mesa Road. Racers can check in between 9 o'clock and 9.25 a.m. to get a race bib. A, a volunteer will check you in near the entrance to the parking area in front of the old Ilium Church Camp. The race will start at 9.45 a.m. Registration is online. You can pre-register at bit.ly forward slash SMC Turkey Trot 23. The registration deadline is Wednesday, November 22nd by 2 o'clock p.m. Prizes will be awarded to the fastest female, fastest male, fastest child under 12, and best costume. Questions? Please call the Parks and Open Space Department at 970-729-1829 or check out the Turkey Trot information on the county website. Thanks, and we look forward to seeing you on Thanksgiving morning. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You're also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.